0: Welcome to Character Development. I'm k Wu, and today I'm here with my friend, Chris.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm Chris, and I'm here with my friend, Allison.
2: Hi, I'm Allison, and today we are joined by our guest, Itamar Turning Traring. Um, Itamar started his software career in the cutting-edge field of multimedia CD-ROMs. He currently works as a consultant, helping speed up Python code and deployments, and shares his software and career mistakes every week with 3,700 programmers on his Software Clown newsletter. His crowning achievement as a parent was when months of brainwashing paid off and his daughter stopped saying, my legs are, tar- are tired, and started saying, my legs are getting stronger. Thanks for joining us, Itamar.
3: Hi, great to be here.
2: We love having, um, having guests on the show. And I think we wanted to start with talking a little bit about a book that you just launched, talking about a three day weekend as a programmer. Sounds amazing as a parent.
3: Uh, it is pretty nice. Yeah. I've never actually worked full time as a programmer. Basically, since my daughter was born, I've been part time in various capacities. And my wife was working as a programmer full-time for a bit, and it was much harder for her than for me. Um, just, yeah, kids take up a lot of time.
1: So was that by design? It was that what, what y'all had planned, or was that just kind of how things happened to work out?
3: So basically, I have suffered in the past from pretty bad uh, RSI, like I couldn't type. And so I, I had been working as a product manager uh, which at Google, which had acquired my employer, uh, and I wasn't really enjoying it, and so the idea was I would become a consultant and work part time, and she would be able to continue full time and uh, full time salary. And then one of my consulting clients hired me, so I became a part time employee. And then I got another job, and I negotiated shorter hours and sort of. So it started out planned, and then it just became a sort of. This is actually a lot better, so I'm going to stick with it
1: awesome so do you want to um, give give us a little background on on the book
3: sure so basically I've discovered from personal experience that not working full-time makes has made my life you know just in general much easier you know, as a parent especially so for this audience and I wanted other people to be able to do this and you know I successfully negotiated three different jobs with uh, working between 28 and 35 hours a week. And I learned a bunch of useful things along the way about how to do it. And so I wanted to help other people learn how to do it themselves. And so I spent a bunch of time sort of researching it in various ways. So learning more about negotiation in general and talking and interviewing other people, programmers who had negotiated shorter work weeks uh, because I'm not the first to do it. Actually, many people have done it. And so I was interviewed people learned from their experiences, and I just tried to talk about sort of the general negotiation skills that you need and where it's easiest to do it and, you know, how to deal with the harder situations, how to deal with balancing need for money uh, in the United States. Things like health insurance are uh, very important. So there's just a bunch of specific details you have to deal with, and it's also just like process, and there's also just – People sometimes feel negotiation is intimidating or difficult. They don't know where to start. And so I want to help people get over that hump and just understand that it's a thing you can learn. It's a skill like any other that you can get better at. I
0: feel like it's interesting to me that just like even the idea of negotiating something like this was definitely new to me at some point in life. Like, uh, I don't know about you or the folks that you interviewed, but I grew up in a family where both of my parents worked full time and they both commuted a pretty far distance. And that's kind of like the pattern that I would have had in mind when I first started working myself of like, oh, yeah, like, you go to your job and like you're gone for like possibly up to 10 hours a day, Monday through Friday, but that's kind of like how the working world is. And like, I feel like there might be for some folks a needing to get over feeling concerned that you might come across as entitled for trying to have a better setup than that, you know?
3: Yeah. And so part of that is just that as programmers, we tend to have things easier in many ways. Like we get... (laughs) paid well on average Yeah, Uh, we have more negotiating leverage because it's hard to hire programmers Uh, and so it's in general easier Uh, so partly it's some people just don't have the luxury of being able to like you will probably get paid a little less and so a lot of people don't have the luxury to do that Uh, and so if you're a programmer you're lucky that you're you have this as an option but as far as coming over as entitled a lot of negotiation is understanding where the other side is coming from and understanding uh, what they want and what they need, uh, and sort of coming up with a solution that works for them as well. So one of the things I talk about in the book is that the easiest place for you to to negotiate a shorter work week work week is at your current job, because at your current job you just have a huge amount of local knowledge. It's very hard to reproduce. Like you can get someone, you can they can hire a replacement who has on paper, the same skills as you, but you know who to talk to about each problem. You know the code base, you know the business processes, you know the goals. You will be much more productive just because you know all this. And so you have this leverage of the company doesn't want to lose you. And so if you're going to talk to the company about how the current situation isn't working for you, you don't come across and say, I deserve to work four days a week. You're going over and saying, the current situation isn't working for me. I feel like I can contribute and continue to be valuable. Maybe we can work something out. So you don't start it from in terms of you deserve it. You start it as a sort of problem-solving kind of conversation.
0: Oh, that's so interesting because one of the questions that I had was the extent to which you feel like this sort of schedule negotiation is similar or different to other common things you might negotiate for, like, uh, you know, the, the most frequent example being salary, of course. And for salary negotiation, that tends to be most effective with a new job offer uh, has been my experience, at least. So that's already a big difference there, it sounds like.
3: Yeah, it's uh, salaries are easier at a new job because companies are often unwilling to give you a sufficiently large raise once you're already there. But uh, for shorter hours, it's definitely easier at an existing job. Or th- there's variants of that. For example, you know, maybe you left a company and some of your coworkers left and started a new company. So you'd have an easier time negotiating with them because they already trust you. For my first job, I was started out as a consultant, and so they already had some knowledge of how I worked. I'd been working them there for them part time anyway as a, con- a contractor, and so it wasn't quite an existing employee, but it was similar. So having that existing relationship is the really important part.
1: Yeah, I gotta admit that as a um manager, that if somebody came to me and said, this isn't working, but I'd like to come up with something that would work, could we possibly adjust the hours uh, is much more like approachable. And that, that would put me in a, in a better mindset of like, oh, yeah, let's let's figure out how we can solve this problem versus, oh, man, they just want more money.
2: <laughs> I'm curious what people talked about when they mentioned what the difficult parts of negotiating for a shorter workweek were, or I don't know if you spoke to folks who tried to negotiate for a shorter work week and failed. What were some of the aspects that played into things that were either more difficult to overcome or places in which this negotiation failed?
3: So it's definitely harder to negotiate at a new company. So a personal failure I had and I've heard other people suffer from the same thing, is if you tell the company up front that you want a shorter work week, they will uh, just most of the time reject you out of hand. And personally, my experience have been, has been that all my employers have been very happy with me. Uh, and so I feel like it's fine if after an interview process, they decide that they don't want me. But if they're rejecting me out of hand because of this, they're basically losing out on opportunity for me to contribute to what they're working on one thing you can do to deal with that is just wait until you have an offer to bring it up if you decide you like them but more broadly getting a shorter work week at a new job is just difficult because you're, you're reducing the number of companies that will hire you and so you it basically takes longer uh, and you need more leverage and it just takes more work there's sometimes specific concerns like you know how will we communicate uh you know, what if an emergency comes up, things like that. Although those are issues with people being sick or being on vacation too, so they ought to be solvable. And people can get worried about whether you'll get all your work done. And partly this is just you need to set expectations that you're working less, you're going to produce less. Um, and so there are situations where you'll be in where you have a manager you shouldn't even try this with because – Basically, they think the more hours you're working, the more it will produce, and like they don't understand how to value your output. And you have a different set of problems. Beyond that, if you have a decent manager, like the core worry is probably like, are you still committed to this job? And so you, you just there, it's a matter of you know, explaining that you, you really do want to do the job, and it's just you have these outside restrictions that mean you can't. And I think as a parent, that's easier. One of the people I interviewed had problems because his original, the original thing he asked for was to have every other week off. And uh, just from a manner, like one of the people who reviewed my book was a manager he's a uh, suffering during manager. And she pointed out that just from a manager's perspective, having someone every other week off is just very hard to manage. Uh, so you, you can deal with those sort of worries by crafting a specific offer that's tied to the way your team works, which is another reason it's easier to negotiate an existing job. Uh, so you can say, like, you know, Fridays, um, we don't have a lot of meetings, and by Friday afternoon you're numzomped anyway, so why don't I take Fridays off? Or so, some way to to make a specific adjustment that is tied to the way your team works.
1: Have you found any particular formats like that on every other week versus Wednesdays and Fridays are more successful or is that really just a depends on the company thing
3: I mean I, I've interviewed a bunch of people and I know a bunch of people I've not interviewed who have done this but I don't think I have a large enough sample to see what works in general my guess is it's just tying it to the rhythms of development at your company like you know, different teams will have different ways of organizing their their time and so if you can just figure out ways that will minimize impact just the way you would try to minimize impact if you're going on a vacation um things like that if the planning meeting is every every monday you shouldn't be taking mondays off for example
0: i found that on this was much shorter term but uh at my job uh when i came back from my last maternity leave there is a uh like partial return to work for the first month after you're back from parental leave of some kind. So you, you get to do four days a week for the first four weeks. But it's up to you which day of the week you choose. And uh, in discussion with my manager, uh, I think we did rule out Monday because that's when planning meetings happen. So that was like pretty important to be around for that. But outside of that, it pretty much seemed like the conclusion was as long as it's consistent and predictable and communicated about that it was like fairly flexible, you know, whether it's which of the days between Tuesday and Friday, I ended up picking Friday because uh, I helped in with some other travel plans, but it seemed like, like if I wanted to say like, Oh, I'd rather break up the week and, you know, do Wednesdays instead that would have been, Totally fine from their end of things, as long as you know I made sure to communicate and like make sure that people knew where I was going to be and when, and just like what to expect. Because I'd heard from other people, especially for the folks that take paternity leave. I don't know what other's experience with this is, but it for my coworkers that I've seen, for whatever reason, paternity leave seems to more often come up like broken up over the course of the newborn's first year of life that you're allowed to do. Whereas with maternity leave, often you take maybe one really large chunk and then save a little bit for the rest of that first year. And in any case, so so with the paternity leave examples that I'd seen, folks told me that, that it was more of a struggle when it was like, yeah, just like kind of more unpredictable and, and not knowing whether someone was around or not to plan around that, like that was the challenge versus the specific timing of it as much.
3: Yeah. And if your company doesn't care, uh, I think it's like a personal decision uh, one guy who I interviewed loved doing Wednesdays because he only had to two days of work in a row and just sort of broke up the week. But another friend who re- returns part time from maternity leave uh, until she went back to full time found that not working on Wednesdays sort of destroyed her momentum and she really didn't like it. Uh, so I think it's also just a personal choice of what works best for you.
2: Your child is seven, you said. Yeah, seven. And how long have you, have you been working, not full-time, since they were born or just the last couple of years? Like, at what point did you start this?
3: So actually, the original stint I had working part-time was sort of because of RSI when I couldn't type. And so I could work basically after a certain number of hours, my arms would start hurting. I couldn't work anymore. Uh, and I didn't have a formal shorter work week. I just, at some point, had to go home. And I discovered that I was pretty much as productive as I'd been before. Um, my manager was happy. No one was, no one complained. I, I mean, it wasn't that I was lying about how many hours I worked. It's just I learned that you can actually be as productive in shorter hours. Uh, so that was sort of probably inspired me later on. Uh, but I stopped working full time seven years ago when my daughter was born, and since then I've done three different jobs: uh, stint of consulting, and now I just started my second stint of consulting.
2: I'm curious um, in terms of parenting and all of the, right, like having less time to do things, et cetera, especially children go through a lot of different stages from birth to age seven. And so I'm curious, like as your child has gone through different stages, like how have you utilized that extra time differently and how has it been helpful at different stages in your child's life as a parent?
3: After maternity leave, my wife went back, went back to work full time and my daughter was in daycare, I forget, probably 27, 28 hours a week. Uh, so the rest of the time when I wasn't working, I was primary caregiver, um, and, you know, shopping and cooking and that sort of thing. Some babies I hear you can put them down and uh, they'll sort of sit there and. <laughs>
2: We hear yeah, rumors of the babies too. too. <laughs> uh, I
3: kind of ate, yeah. she screamed a lot. Uh, I, I had a standing desk, and sometimes, like, I could use the standing desk while I put her in the front carrier while she sort of comes. For, for the first year or so, until she learned to walk and became extremely cheerful, basically, I was holding a baby or throwing naps. I probably would have been cooking or something. Uh, so it basically went into childcare and. As years went on, like this, it, it started verging more into I have more free time, so I was able to write this book, for example, in part based on having free time from working less. um But that was when my daughter was older, uh, and when she was younger, it was a lot more just making our life easier in terms of we live in a city, so and we don't have a car, and so I had the luxury of being able to walk home with her when she was good, you know, hell, she would have been old enough she could walk, but not old, but like what is a 15 minute walk for an adult would take like an hour because you'd have to stop and run around this fire hydrant every day and that's
2: a pretty good. There's you
3: uh, can climb and so on. So it was also just being able to spend more time with my daughter and just logistically deal with all logistics of life and parenting. And as she's older, it's less so.
1: So we talked a little bit about kind of how to manage your manager and get buy in from. Uh, leadership, but what about other folks on the team with peers?
3: Uh, In general, I haven't had that much trouble with it. Depending on the company you're in and the kind of project you're in, there might be specific tasks you're better off not taking. There's some tasks that are you have to be there and you have to be extremely responsive and people are going to be asking you questions and demanding you do things on the spot. You're going to have a harder time not just being full time in the office all, all the time. Similar things for remote work, working from home. If you're going to be working from home or reducing your work week, there are tasks that might, and your organization is not set up for this sort of thing. You're better off taking tasks that where you can work more independently. So at my last job, I took on sort of iterating over some algorithms and uh, working on this data processing pipeline. So it was, extremely valuable work. It had to be done, but it wasn't a, you must give me an answer in three hours kind of thing. It was a, I'm going to be spending a lot of time thinking and iterating and running experiments before I got things done. If you're working in an organization that has a lot of remote workers, for example, and is organizationally used to that, uh, remote work isn't particularly different than someone uh, working a shorter work week Everyone is already set up with you know, messaging and processes that allow people to communicate more asynchronously.
1: So have you not had situations where coworkers are getting to the point where why do they get a go and I have to stay type situations?
3: I personally haven't, but some of the people I interviewed have been in this situation. And the answer is typically, yes, I'm working four days a week. I'm also making 80% of what i'd be making full-time and that's and if you want to you can probably make that trade-off too and then people either say oh maybe i could work less or they say i don't actually no i don't want to do that Um, (laughs) and so that makes and i think also from like a manager's perspective this makes things easier because they can just point to that trade-off
0: Yeah, I'm curious to jump into that part a bit more too, both with like the pay difference, but also you brought up the point earlier about working remotely in general, as compared to um, shorter work weeks. It's like I, I work remote full time. And I also have a lot of schedule flexibility generally so like while i'm like aiming for the vicinity of 40 hours a week like you know it's it's a bit different than uh, and especially like without with already cutting out the commute time needed a greater portion of my week in general is, is like not devoted to work already just from that and i've also thought about like like it's just sort of strange in general that we're in a field that in terms of productivity and output, like, I feel like it's almost more comparable to creative or artistic or craftsman like fields, right, where there is some correlation between amount of time you've put into a thing and like the results that come out. But it's obviously like very different than when I worked in a restaurant or something like that, right, in terms of pay for time. Given that we work in a field where your impact is like somewhat but not fully correlated with hours that you worked, what are some considerations you might advise people for like, you know, remote work or flex schedules versus strictly speaking, like I'm aiming for, you know, no more than 35 hours a week versus like the 40 to 45 you might typically see otherwise.
3: So one thing you can either explicitly or informally and I think informally is probably what happens in remote jobs negotiate is basically you say, I'll get my work done and we're not gonna talk about hours or you don't say that, smart. it's like it's implicit so at my last job, I did the usual thing I've been doing of I just apply for the job. I get an offer. I say, okay, but I'd love to work for you. But, you know, at my previous job, I was working less than full time. I'd like to continue here. And the hiring manager told me that he basically didn't care how long I worked as long as. I got my work done. And so I said, well, I I feel I'm pretty productive and my previous employers have been happy. So I'm going to work four days a week and I think I can get a decent amount of work done. And he said, again, I don't care how long you work, just get your work done. And so that's what we did. And so I was paid full-time, but I was only working four hours. And this has pluses and minuses. The plus was I was getting paid more. The minus is I had to much more actively make sure I was, for example, picking projects where I could actually provide a large amount of value to my player, and visibly so, uh, without working longer hours. The better your management, the less of an issue this is. And in a remote company, hopefully they've already figured out how to have some sense of what people are producing. And so they'll care less about hours. And so you have that flexibility. The the situation has it's pluses, but it also has its risks if you end up with a bad manager or who, say, really wants to count how many hours you're at the office.
0: Yeah, the thing with hours is that it's like very easily measurable. Um, and so like many other metrics, it's a thing that's very comforting in some cases as compared to the ambiguity. Because I like I think e- even still, I, I frequently will will start wondering of like, like, you know, like it sounds great when a manager says, oh, as long as you get your work done. But then I start thinking like, well, like, am I getting enough work? Like, what is enough work? or comparable amount, or, you know, like, a, is, it, is this appropriate? Could it be more or not? The solution so far that I've come to is definitely, like, frequently checking in on things and asking for feedback proactively. and And, like, it's all around the communication. But I feel like definitely it can still be a bit of a struggle of just, like, well, I don't have a number that I'm trying to compare to. <laughs> and I'm glad we're not in the days of, like, Counting lines of code written or anything like that, but I have sympathies for the for the urge to have something measurable, well,
1: well, so no well, especially when done. you're in that you're in that mode of, um, you know, if it's crunch time, we really got to get something out the door. Mm-hmm. And I got, you know, I got I got what I needed to get done in four hours. But if we don't ship this, we're going to lose the contract, and it's got to get done. Like it's a weird balancing line between would working eight hours be twice as much work? No, mm-hmm. no, that's not how thought work works. Exactly, <laughs> like, yeah. But it seems like it could be. <laughs> yeah, so, and yeah. I guess
3: it's, it's important during interviews when you're bringing up, like, I want to work less, to always say, like, if there is an emergency, I will obviously work longer just to meet the needs. But that also means you have to be very certain that emergencies in crunch time aren't... Just a weekly occurrence. (laughs)
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, no problem. It's an emergency. Like, great.
0: (laughs) I can see as well that that's where like the amount of leverage that you get from being a known quantity and having established your reputation and credibility really comes into play. Because I, I also think like there is language around. Oh yeah, like your commitment to your job, and in my heart of hearts, my honest reaction is like, well. I'm committed to the paycheck. Like, if you're committed to making payroll, then like, then we have a business proposition here, right? But when people get to know me, hopefully, you know, they see that in terms of like personal integrity and values, like, I very much value following through on on my commitments and what I say what I said I was going to do, and that they should be able to trust that and they can very much rely on that part of working with me as an individual. But again, it, it then comes to it kind of like a who bells the cat sort of situation where um, I, I work in a role when we don't have a ton of external deadlines. And so it's largely like, we plan this thing out, and we we think it will take about this much. And we make sure to communicate any changes and stay up to date. And there's this phrase I like where it's like, you have to make sure to honor your commitments. And so it's not that you like always hit every initial deadline that you gave, but you know, you make sure that it's taken care of and people feel a sense of responsibility. But then I'm also kind of like, you're also asking me to give you the estimates in the first place. Why are you trusting me so much? (laughs) I bring this up every so often with my manager and he's just, continues to reassure me. So if it's a con, I'm I'm running a good one, I guess.
3: (laughs) If you're very productive, this helps. And like part of being productive actually overlaps with negotiation skills because it's understanding what people are trying to achieve. So if you can figure out like what are the things like your organization really cares about, what your manager really needs what your customer really cares about, uh, you can focus on that and you can often get this, the results people actually care about with less of effort because you're not doing all the things that aren't really necessary, the nice-to-have things, and you're just focusing on what really needs to be done. Learning how to sort of ask those questions and, and work for, work how people's goals are and how to achieve them also translates into negotiation, uh, so there's some overlap there, too.
0: Yeah, and I definitely also feel like when you have an external pressure on you, like parenting or other family responsibilities, I feel like that has like really forced me to home prioritization skills further.
1: Totally. Oh, oh, you you don't know how to prioritize <laughs> before kids. <laughs> no, I didn't.
3: <laughs>
1: like, and I can't imagine I would have ever gotten there.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think this is where. Outer Psy helped me because uh, I was only able to work s- six hours a day, and so I just sort of learned to better plan what I was doing. I think um, so that made things easier later on.
0: Yeah, I sense. like that motto as well. Of like, if you want to get something done, give it to a busy person, <laughs> 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 and uh, parents tend to be pretty busy with uh, you know, parents. You you have an you have an audience that is. I mean, my toddler is rapidly increasing verbally, but still, sometimes it's a relief to be working with adults who are communicating with words what they want from me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) On that note, I feel like we should move into uh, genius and fail. So this is the part of our show where we take a recent example of something that we did as a parent that either was a really amazing genius or just, such a fail.
0: I have one that is uh, maybe not about parenting specifically, but just uh, parenting life, which is uh, I get thirsty in the middle of the night, and having to do a ton to address that need before I be able to fall back asleep is very important. And I recently decided to <laughs> swipe one of my son's spill proof strawed cups to use <laughs> instead. So it's not a, it's not the most sophisticated aesthetically, but certainly gets the job done. And I'm like, you know what? It is really nice to have a drinking receptacle that it's okay if I accidentally knock it over in the middle of the night. Like that's really <laughs> nice. Good job. Like, thank you, manufacturers and capitalism. <laughs> nice.
1: So I had one where I was able to take. A lesson from my day job, engineering manager, and apply it to uh, middle schoolers doing homework, which was, um, I had heard over and over when, whenever we talk about code reviews, like, you know, you have to separate yourself. You are not the code. People are criticizing it. That's what you're supposed to be doing, or, you know, pointing out things that can be better. But you need to make sure to take a step away and, and not take that personally. And it's really hard to do, even for professional adults. And it happened where, uh, my wife and I were sitting down with our daughter going over her homework and I could just see the tears welling up and she was very upset, you know, and it was just minor criticisms and it came down to the, wait, you are not your homework. And, and I said that out loud and later on my uh, wife even came to me and said, it's like, I didn't think of it that way, but that's a good way to think of it. I was like, oh. I'm really glad that this applies, uh, and that seemed to work pretty well. I think it's going to take a while of repeating it out loud in front of uh, my daughter before it really sinks in, but it was definitely a, this is the exact same situation. Nice.
3: So she wrote an article about uh, learning to negotiate from six-year-olds, and I guess now I'm up to having a seven-year-old, so it's getting more sophisticated. So typically, you have my daughter has a friend over for play date, They'll ask for snacks, and then the guest will offer a snack, and then they'll say no, and they'll offer another snack and say no, and basically they'll just stall until they get usually something that's more along the line of carbs than uh, (laughs) fruit or whatever. Um, And recently this has gotten more sophisticated because my daughter, who knows all the uh, extra snacks we have, has started briefing them. So before... They'll say they're hungry, and then uh, before we even get to what do they want, so like my daughter and her friend will have like a whispered conversation where they'll like have a briefing of <laughs> what snacks are available, I guess planning out their strategy or something. Um, I'm not sure if this is a genius or fail. I guess in the short term it's failed, but in the long term it's probably a useful skill.
2: Nice. I have a fail. It's a little bit of a story, but it's basically the summary of the fail is how it took. Less than 90 seconds for, like, all things to feel like they fell apart in my household. (laughs) So so I have a 4-year-old and a 15-month-old. And this literally happened. I think it was last night, actually. My 15-month-old literally all of a sudden knows how to climb. Like, knows how to climb everything. (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't like, so my son's a climber, but with my daughter, it wasn't like we saw her like working on it and trying, but like it literally like in 48 hours, she can all of a sudden like get up step stools and get on things. Anyway, so my husband had gone upstairs to sort of just like set out. We were about to, I was about to bring both kids upstairs for bedtime. So he had gone up to just like set out all the bedtime stuff and I was downstairs and I like turn around and my daughter had used the basket of books as a stepping thing to get up onto the couch side table and was in the process of climbing onto the window oh, So no. it gets better. So, like, you'd think that's the fail, but it's actually not. So, So, so I sort of, like, run over... To try to get her down but this like basket of books is in the way so I'm you know, like trying to move it with my foot while I have one hand on her and while that's happening my son climbs up onto the couch because he's basically his approach is look at me I can do this too I'm so tall and I can climb things as well so he's climbing onto the couch onto that back part of the couch and we have two um, behind our couch we have two of those photos that we've turned into sort of like the canvas things hanging up so they're not heavy but they're whatever they're decent size while he's climbing up onto the back of the couch he knocks into one of them so it falls off the hook and knocks into the other one which then also falls off of the hook and both the hooks like come out of the wall so I'm like look at I've like a hand on my daughter I'm like looking at the couch to make sure that my son like doesn't step on one of these things. my son (laughs) is literally holding both of these against the wall going I'm sorry mama I did not know that would happen (laughs) it all happened so quickly and I just I (laughs) I go Colin I need you downstairs right now (laughs) and he walks down the steps and he's like what I literally just went upstairs like what is happening anyway I just started hysterically laughing because it was so quick and it was so ridiculous and it was literally like I didn't know like which which hand to move or which thing to do in order to like solve this like all the things that were happening so that was last night uh it all happened in a in like I'm beginning to end was like four minutes right? everything sort of fell apart in 90 seconds and then we got it all essentially back together within the next couple of minutes but such a two kid fail that's where I'm like how did that all happen that like man that escalated rapidly <laughs> so that's my fail
0: <laughs> everyone's okay now though
2: everyone's fine and we have re-hung the pictures um, oh wow Yes. Uh yes. Rehanging the pictures, we are more aware of my daughter's climbing skills and the extent to which we need to like just watch her these days. Um yeah. Everything's fine, everyone's fine. I just can't believe how quickly those things just happen. I was like, how how did I get to this place in life?
0: <laughs> they're small, but they're they you were outnumbered. I know. <laughs> you didn't have enough hands to to handle this just like that situation, yeah uh, so uh thanks so much, Moore, for joining us today, and thanks so much, everyone for listening to the parent driven development podcast. We'd love to hear from you if you have questions that you'd like us to chat about on air, email us at panel at development dot com or find us on Twitter at parent driven Dev. And if you like what you hear, please support us on Patreon, patreon patreon.com slash parent-driven dev, or rate us on iTunes. Uh, And I did that whole bit, and I just realized we normally ask our guests to, I think, if you want to share a little bit about how folks can follow up with you and learn more about your book.
3: Sure. Um, So uh, if you go to codewithoutrules.com, you can sign up for my newsletter, read articles about negotiating and productivity and other similar things as a programmer Uh, and the book is at codewithoutrules.com slash three as in number day weekend slash um yes probably be a link in the show notes
0: awesome thanks so much for joining us today yes thank you